Welcome. It's good to see everybody here this morning. I'm up here a little bit early because we're going to do communion. So uh, we will go through the sermon, preach the sermon, and then we will um, celebrate uh, the Word of God uh, through communion um, as we get started. But looking at a series uh, for 12 weeks, it's actually going to be 11 because uh, Mr. Imhoff is going to be preaching next week. So we're kind of broken down into 11 weeks. But uh, what is a series? A series is just one really long sermon broken up 11 times. And that's just what we're going to look at in regards to uh, the believer's family is the topic that we're running to. So you want to you follow along. In other words, yes, you have an individual sermon that comes every single week, but definitely follow along. So if you haven't listened to the previous ones, the previous ones are carrying this one. And then the next week will carry the other week. You know, that's just kind of how um, series work. So if you haven't caught up, just looking at the last couple of weeks, the importance of marriage, the purpose of marriage, and then the backbone of marriage uh, were the three weeks prior. And then we're going to talk about the lead role in marriage um, this morning. So let's read the passage and then we'll get into it. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man should leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the same passage we're working through for the next um, 12 weeks, 11 weeks, and as we're working through it, where I want to focus is the underlining part um, within the passage. And as we look at the underlining part, we see wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head uh, of the wife. And uh, so we're looking at the lead role, and uh, we want to understand what the word head um, is, because it's been defined um, in many different directions. So we just want to clarify uh, what it is not before we even explain what it is. The head does not mean um, he's the boss. That's not what the passage is trying to communicate. The husband's the boss, and the wife is, is not the boss, therefore you should listen to the husband and not the wife. That is not what the passage is communicating whatsoever. The head doesn't mean that there's a dominant partner inside of the relationship. Um, that's not what the passage is communicating. The passage is not communicating that the wife should be obedient um, to the husband's will, and whatever the husband wants, the wife should follow. That's not the communication that's going on in that passage. It does not mean that the head is in an authoritarian position um, over um, the wife. It does not mean that as well. Uh, there is no dictatorship. This passage is not communicating any dictatorship in the relationship when it says the husband is the head and then the wife submits. So when you look at the passage, what exactly does headship mean in regards to the passage? And when we ask that question, 
We also want to ask the question, what does it mean in regards to the entire Scripture as well? Because this headship is used consistently in other books that Paul is speaking of. So the definition of, of what the head is is, number one, the head is the leader that saves the relationship and holds it together. The head is the leader that saves the relationship and holds it together. You might say, well, where do you find that? It's written directly in the passage. Let's just look at the underlining pieces that are, that are there before us. Ephesians 5, starting with verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, last week we talked about what the word submit means. And, and I'm not going to go into all the explanation of what the word submit means because I talked a whole sermon about it, so listen to the sermon before. But what does submit look like? I'll tell you this is what submit looks like. The husband looks at the wife and says, I want you to go first. In fact, I'm going to completely give you the free reign. I want you to do this. And then the wife looks at the husband and says, no, I want you to go first. And the husband looks at the wife and says, no, I want you to go first. No, you first, you first, you first, you first. And all of a sudden you sit there and you fight about it. That is a beautiful Christian marriage in a sense of pulling back, I want to put you first, I want you taken care of, I want your needs met, I want your desires to be fulfilled, and you argue about it. That is the way that submit works when it says submit to one another. Because you're only going to do one of two things in your relationship. You're either going to submit to one another or you're going to use one another. That's it. Submit to one another or use one another. So the passage starts out with be, have mutual submission is what you need to do. Have mutual, mutual submission. And what does submit mean? Submit means go under, is what sub means. Mit does what? It means to send. So you have, I'm sending myself under for the purpose of giving that person life. That's what submit is. I'm going to send myself under for the purpose of giving that person joy, strength, for the purpose of making that person a disciple in Jesus Christ, for the purpose of making and helping that person go in their relationship. Be the best husband. Be the best father. That's what submit means. I go under to lift that person up. But look at what verse 22 says. You hear it, submit to one another. So both of us are mutual submission. But then it goes, wives, submit to your husband to the Lord, as to the Lord. Now the husband has a different verb. He has, you need to what? You need to love your wife. And, and then what is love? Love is you need to lay down your life like Christ laid down his church. But the wife is getting submit. That word submit is being carried from verse 21. In fact, in the Greek, it's not even there inside the Greek. The reason why the translators even put it there is because it should be there, so they just pulled it down. And then they hand it to the wife. Wives, submit, put yourself under to lift your husband up as to the Lord and then it says these words, for the husband is the head. For the husband is the one who saves the relationship and the one who holds it together. And you say, where did I get that? I just continue to read the verse. He is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is what? The Savior. So we're just going to break this sermon up into three different directions. What does the head mean, which it was just described? What, what model should the head follow? And then what does a head look like inside of a relationship? So if the husband is the head, which would be the Savior, and the one that holds it together, well, how does he do that? I mean, 
How does he do that? I mean, is there any model to follow? Is there any um, direction on what he needs to do if he's the head, the, the savior of the relationship? Um, the direction and the model that you would probably want to follow is the direction of Christ. If you look all the way through the passage, it's talked about husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church. You have the whole relationship of husband and wife, and then you have the whole relationship between Christ and his church. He's given us models to follow. So if the husband is going to be the savior, probably be a good idea to follow Christ's model. Well, how did Christ save us? Saved us with the gospel. In your notes, you'll see the gospel. This is what it looks like. Jesus left heaven. Jesus came to earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus died on the cross, and Jesus rose again. And as a result, if I believe in him, I am saved. That's the gospel. Let's use it for, as a model for us husbands who's the head and who's the savior. And then wives, you're not being left out of this sermon because you will see your response to the headship in this process. First thing Jesus did is he left heaven. He took the first step. Number two, the husband leads by taking the first step. There's three institutions that God is the one that put together. He is, they're from his mind, they're from his heart, and they're under his design. And those three institutions are the church, marriage, and the government. He's the one that came up with those three institutions. Now, if you create something, uh, what you do is you usually bring a manual that goes along with it. Because when you create it, you design for it to function correctly and to function healthy. So, you know, I have a Ford F-150 pickup and I have the manual that goes with it. It says put 530 quarter of oil in the engine and do it every, uh, every 3,000 miles. So not 30,000, every 3,000. So what do I do? If I want my engine to work properly, that's what I consistently do. It also says you know, put unleaded gasoline um, in the tank. So what do I do? I stick unleaded gasoline in the tank. It does not allow me to stick anything else in there. In other words, if I go down to the gas station, I see the price of gasoline, and I say, this is way, way, way overpriced. Instead of putting gasoline in my tank, I'm going to put water in my tank, because water is cheap. It's easy. So instead of putting gasoline, you put water in your tank, what did you just do? It's going to cost a whole lot more money if you put water in your tank instead of gasoline in your tank. No, you've got to read the manual, and you have to, um, have, you have to work with the manual to make the item function the way that it's supposed to function. Put unleaded gasoline in the tank. So here, God has designed marriage. And when he designed marriage, he created it. Every single fibers of our personalities, every single fibers of our beings, and he put us together as couples, and then he gives us a manual. And what the manual says is that husbands is the head. And as he put the husbands as the head, he put it there for a reason. And, and, and what would be the reason? So everybody inside the relationship would be satisfied. That's why he put it there. I want all the women to be satisfied, and I want all the men to be satisfied, so I'm going to design it in such a way where satisfaction completely takes place. So then he gives us a manual, and the manual is even found in this verse. At the very bottom of the passage, you hear the word love, and you have word respect. And it says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Well, if you look at that, what goes first? Love or respect? 
Love always has to go first. And the reason why is because respect is an, comes after the love happens. So if a person steps forward in a relationship, love has always got to be there. And if love is not there, it is impossible to respect. So if you look at the circle that takes place, you love first, and then respect comes second. Love first, respect comes second. And what God has done is God has built us with the hardware to make that work and to make that function. But if the requirement is for the man to lead, love has to come first, so respect can come. Because respect doesn't even come if love doesn't come first. That means that the man is the savior of the relationship. And he's been built in such a way to do it. Let's just kind of look into this. What does wives need? Wives need what? Nurturing. They need affirmation. They need connection. They need non-sexual touch just to, to make a statement that they're loved. They need intimacy. I mean, this is what a wife needs. And this is like the definition of love. What does a male need? A guy needs respect. A guy needs affirmation. And then he needs sex. 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 I mean, I mean that's, that's kind of where it goes. But if you, if you look at the, the pieces of it, this is the wife's need, love, and then this is the other need, is that they're both under the category of respect. And I'd even say, you know, just to describe sex and explain what happens, I mean, when, when a relationship happens and sexual relationship happens, do you know what a man is thinking? A man is thinking, everything must be all right in my relationship when sexual relationship happens. In fact, the house must be clean, the yard must be put together, everything must be good because this wouldn't be happening unless it was good. In other words, the wife had to be completely fulfilled before anything that happens. And all of a sudden, it is the most powerful piece of respect you can possibly give a man in that regards. But it can't happen until somebody takes the first step. And who had takes the first step? It's created that the man does. The man takes the first step. Let's just look into it further. Number one, women, I just want to put this on the, on the chart, women feel loved when they're nurtured, men feel loved when they're respected. If you're nurtured, you, can, you gotta get embraced for doing it. Women want to be nurtured, they want to be adored, they want to be honored, they want to feel this love. And as soon as they feel it, what's supposed to happen? Respect will then come into return, but respect will not come unless it doesn't take place. But if you notice that the man has to be the first one to do it. This is just natural. Women want to feel loved before sex. Men feel loved, respected, after six. There's many women that are in our relationships that even can't even give themselves away. I don't even want to give myself away. And the reason why they don't want to give themselves away is because they haven't been nurtured. They haven't received the love from their husband that they so desperately need and so desperately desire. It's like, I can't give myself away. And guys, they just don't understand that because they function different. I just don't understand why you just don't want to do it. But they need to be taken care of before that process happens. And the person that takes the first step is the guy, and it's not his first step of his first desires. It is his wife's desires and his wife's needs that must be met before his needs are met. Here's another one. Women believe communication is used for interaction. Men believe communication is for solving problems. You ever gotten upset with your husband because all he wants to do is fix everything? <laughs> you start talking to him for interaction, and I just want to connect with my husband is what's in your mind, and what does he do? He just, he just fixes it. Why? Because he's starving for respect. I mean, that, that's the way that he, he functions. So if the man never crosses the aisle, 
and is never submissive, the leader, to give his wife what he needs, you know what's going to happen? The relationship won't even take place. And why the relationship won't even take place is because a guy is just starving for respect and he never gets it. And all this conversation that his wife is saying doesn't make any sense to him. Doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense to him because it doesn't give him respect. So if he's living only for himself, the relationship will not circle in the way that God has designed it to circle. In other words, you're putting gas in your engine in your marriage <laughs> or in your, in, your, in your tank. It does not function the way that God has, has given it to function. So what happens? The husband, if he's ahead, he must take the first step. But wives have a, a responsibility in it as well. Letter 2B, the wife submits by embracing him for doing it. You hear this word that just irks many women, husbands submit to, our wives submit to your husbands because he's the head, and it's just like, I'm not going to do that. But what does the word submit mean? This is what the word, um, or what does the word respect mean? What does it mean? It means a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, and achievements. All it is is I have seen what you have done, and I want to say thank you for the qualities. I want to say thank you for the abilities. I want to say thank you for doing it. In fact, what I want to do is I want to embrace you to do it. I mean, the, the requirement that God is saying in this passage for women is if you see your husband take for, um, a step in the right direction, oh, embrace him. <laughs> Absolutely embrace him. Because men have the strength to take the first step. They do. But women have the power for them to take the second step. Because when they respect him, all of a sudden he's going to go, well, i got to do that again. Oh, yeah, oh, i got to do that again. So they have the power to keep the relationship going. The women do. They have the power to keep the relationship going. Let me give you an example. Is, um, my wife works at a school, and um, she's worked at a school for the last 20 years. And, uh, and I bring flowers to her on her birthday um, in the school. And when I bring flowers to her, I'll, I will tell you that um, I have to go to war <laughs> to bring flowers. The first thing I have to do is I have to go to war with my conscience. I mean, I walk into Costco, and those things cost $16, and they will die within five days. <laughs> I'm like, I am not going to spend $16 and have them die in five days. I have to go a war against myself just to purchase them. It's not easy. It's difficult. But then I purchase them, and then I walk out of Costco, and then I show up at the school. When I show up at the school, it's like all these kids start looking at me, and, and I'm just like those eyes are like arrows into my heart because they attack every single ounce of pride that I have <laughs> as I'm walking in front of these kids that are looking at me. It's like I cannot have any pride doing this whatsoever. All these kids that are looking at me, taking this to my wife, is probably thinking the whole concept, boy, that guy's on a leash with the principal. You know, I don't know what they're thinking, but anyway, it's not easy. And then I walk into the office, and when I walk into the office, the secretaries are the first one that sees me, and, and as they walk in, they, they usually say the words, oh, that is so sweet, and, and I have to have all the power in the world to keep the smile on my face. And the reason why is because I look at them with a big smile, and my insides are saying, if you see my insides, you would not think that I'm that sweet, but thank you for saying that. And, and then I continue to walk to her office, 
And when I put the flowers on there, it's like I went to war. Mortal combat, the most difficult thing I could ever possibly do. They're on the table, and as they're on the table, I want to say, but I do not say, I want to say, do you know what I have to go through to put these flowers on your, on your table? <laughs> it's, it's just not easy. I would only have done that once in my life if she didn't respect me, if she didn't like it, if she didn't adore it. But she shows me. She displays her love for me, and all of a sudden it carries me to the next year. Here we go again. <laughs> and then you, you do it again. But it carries a cycle around where the man takes a first step and the wife carries him to the next. It's called love and respect. That's how the relationships are designed. That's the way that the manual works. So wives, if you choose just not to respect him, don't expect it again. <laughs> it is very, very, very difficult to consistently carry, I'm going to step forward, I'm going to step forward, I'm going to step forward, I'm going to step forward. And what happens, we shut the lives out of our marriage because sometimes husbands will try to step forward and the wives just won't respect. And all of a sudden it's like, we start accusing each other. And we start fighting with each other. That's not the manual. That's not how the manual works in regards to relationship. It goes on because if we're going to save the marriage, we've got to consistently walk with that cross. The husband leads by example. Jesus came to earth. He left heaven and then came to earth. He healed, he cared, he served, he wept, he spent time with, he was homeless, he was in the dirt, doing what he needed to do to show that he was vested into people. It's exactly what he did. I'm gonna show you what I'm gonna do to invest in people. Husbands, you're the head, you're the savior. You must be in, in the dirt. Show what you can do to be invested into the family. And whatever it takes, do it. Be vested in the dirty work. Be vested in the serving. Be vested in the loving. Be vested in your family. How are wives to respond? A wife submits by just complimenting for it. If a husband gets vested in the family, wife's job is just, I'm just going to make sure that he's getting all the compliments. In other words, if I see something good, what I'm going to do is I'm going to compliment him for it. Women, I'm going to give you a, a, a power <laughs> that you might not know that you have because we don't often talk about it because men don't really like to talk about it, but it's a secret that is going on inside of a man that they don't even know. And the secret is men will be migrated to success. That's it. They will follow success. Every single man inside of them wants to be successful. And you know what he'll do? Is he will follow it. But the other thing he'll do is men will pull away if he doesn't feel successful. He will pull away if he doesn't feel successful. And you can see that in regards to many men that have dove into their jobs um, and rejected their families. Why would a man just take their jobs and completely reject their families, spend all their time, energy, effort, and emotional power on their jobs and not their families? The reason why is because if a man goes to his job and he's doing a great job, do you know what? He's going to migrate to that success. And he'll sell out to it. He will give to it. He will serve it. But all of a sudden he comes home. And if he does not feel successful in his family, guess what's going to take place? He will pull away. He will pull away because men are always going to migrate to success. They're going to follow success. Now women have the power. Wives have the power to explain to their husband that they are successful. 
And when they explain to their husbands that they're successful, it has a power to move them into directions. I'm just going to tell you, it does. My wife the other day said, you know, I, I still stand amazed on how good of a father I was in raising our kids. And uh, when she says that, you know, I, I kind of evaluate myself. And, and, um, and, and as I evaluate myself, I just had to come to the conclusion, well, if I was, if I was, she said it, but if I was, I did not um, have much to do with it at all. In fact, I think she probably had more to do with it than I did. I mean, I remember the first time that I held my baby. You know, I raised girls, and you know, after a, a child can walk, what does a child want? A child wants a doll. Uh, a little baby girl wants a doll, and when they take the doll, I mean, they hold it in the best way you could possibly do, and they hold it all the time, and they hold it for the next eight years of life. Give us dolls, give us dolls, and they walk around. They dream and aspire about holding babies. I have never dreamed and aspired about holding babies. When I was a kid, I dreamed and aspired about holding a gun. You know, just give me, give me a play gun, but I never dreamed and aspired to holding a baby, and all of a sudden, this baby is handed to me. Mike, do you want to hold your baby? And I'm like, Sure. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then they, they put the baby, and I'm like, <laughs> all right. And, and then they give you instructions. Oh, you want to keep the head up? I'm like, <laughs> okay, we'll keep, the, we'll keep the head up. And, 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 and then my wife does something very, very powerful. She says, oh, you're so good at that. <laughs> I go, you think I'm good at this? She says, oh, yeah, you're so you're good at that. You know, they really loved, and you'd be better if you rocked them. I'm like, are you serious? And then it's like, okay, well, maybe I just should rock them like this. But you think I'm good at this. It's, oh, you're absolutely wonderful at being a father. In fact, that daughter, that child of yours just wants you to hold her. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I start grinning from ear to ear. Oh, you're so good at changing those babies' diapers. I've never seen somebody so amazing at doing that. He goes, do you really think I'm really good at that? Oh, yes, I think you're really good. I aspire to success. And then what do I do? As the kids are consistently growing up, she consistently talks to me. I mean, constantly, how wonderful I am as a father. And what am I doing? I'm trying to aspire to be what she is saying. Why? because I love to hear it. In fact, it's driving me, it's sending me, it's, it's respect, it's what I starve for. And when she said those words, I just want you to know that you've always shocked me about being a good dad. Uh, I can't take any credit. She drove, if I was, she drove me towards that direction because a man will follow success because he's starving for what? For respect. And when he has given it to him, he will go that direction. The other way, husbands lead by doing what? Keeping sin out of uh, his life and also the home. This is the father's responsibility. The father observes the house as the head. If he's going to save the home, he is the head. He observes it, and he sees what is in the home. And when he sees what is in the home, he is in attack mode. Because remember, he is created to be the attacker. So he is in an attack mode to make sure that it is leaving. So if he sees that there is anger in the home, whether coming from him, whether coming from his wife, or coming from his children, he is going to evaluate the anger and say, we've got to get it out. Because he's the one that steps forward to make sure that it gets out. If there's lying, if there's bitterness, if there's hate, if there's laziness that are in the home, it's men's responsibility to observe that. Why? Because God wrote the manual. 
And when he wrote the manual, he says, man, you're the head. You're, you're the Savior. Watch it. Observe it. And if it's there, just like Christ did, he wouldn't let it be there. You don't let it be there. Make sure that it is out. Make sure that it is removed. Women, what are we supposed to do? Wives, what are we supposed to do? The wife submits by supporting him in those, those efforts. Now, if you look at this concept, it's sometimes we don't even understand why we fight as husbands and wives. We, 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 there's, there's a fight that takes place, and we don't even know where the fight uh, comes from. And then if you ask, well, where did that fight come from? We can't even give you the answer of where the fight comes from. Uh, a majority of our fights um, are coming from the manual and breaking off of the manual. In other words, husbands love and then wives um, respect. And if the husband takes a position like God has asked him to take the position, and the wife responds to that position, it will diminish a lot of fights. Let's just look at it in regards to um, sin in the home. There's a way that you can approach a husband, and you can say, you know what? I hate it when you speak to your children that way. Or I hate it when you speak to me that way. Well, what does a man hear? A man hears, well, I'm not successful. And as soon as he doesn't feel he's successful, what does he do? He puts his hands up. I mean, not literally, but he puts his emotions up. He puts, he puts his guards up. What, are you telling me I'm not successful? That I didn't, I didn't do it? And then he responds to it. And then what does the lady do? Oh, she just responds. The wives do. They just respond back. And all of a sudden you have this conflict. You don't even know what, what is going on. Um, ladies, it's easy to say, you know, you need to stop blowing up at the kids. Well, what that's saying is that, okay, I'm not a good dad. Even if he's not being a good dad, in the process of not being a good dad, he doesn't want to believe he's not being a good dad, even in the process. Or if our wives approach us and say, you know what, I am uh, completely sick of your anger that is taking place. Well, see, what that, that is, is that a man often hears that, and he's defensive, and then all of a sudden he reacts to it. If you're the Savior, what do you want to do? You want to save. That's what you want to do. You want to save your kids. You want to save your wives. You want to save. So there's other words that can be a much more powerful in the process of even positions in regards to making sure that the sin is kept out of the home. Uh, let's work together to get our anger out of the home. All of a sudden, if a wife says that, do you know what a man's going to do? A man's going to go, all right, we're on a mission. <laughs> we're on a mission. We're, we're shoulder to shoulder on this mission. And do you know what? She's asking me to save the marriage or the, save, save the family. Therefore, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump on board with whatever she says. Why? Because she's asking me to be the strength. And when she's asking to be the strength, you know what he's going to do? He's going to aspire to lead. He's going to aspire to go. Other things that we can say, I feel crushed when you speak to me like that. Husbands want to do a good job. Men want to do a good job. And sometimes they don't even know when they're not doing a good job. And when you speak in such a way that is crushing somebody, it's like, well, I've got to save you. That's my job. They, they, that's what's inspired inside of us. And as you speak that way, what happens is all of a sudden man goes, well, let me aspire to make sure that you're taken care of because this is my job. You are my responsibility. So it's just little things of even how we speak. But think of love and respect in regards to when we speak because they do carry that power in our conversation. Number five, the husband leads by observing the cost of a healthy relationship and then he pays the price. No matter what that price is, Christ has said, men, husbands, lay down your, wife, your life for your wife like I laid down my life for your church. 
He wants to pay the ultimate cost, the ultimate cost. It's built inside of us. It's built inside of men to pay the ultimate cost. I was, uh, went hiking with my wife. It was about, this is about 22 years ago, uh, and we took the youth group hiking down the Rogue River Trail. And when we took the youth group hiking down the Rogue River Trail, it was a first hike for all the people except my wife and I. We've, we, we've hiked before. And, uh, and being the first hike, I will tell you, our backpacks were huge because we're pulling it off of the kids. And as we're pulling off the kids, the last day we were completely exhausted. I was completely exhausted. And so, sure enough, we show up at a camp, and it's called Brushy Bar, and it says, watch out for bears. And, and it's like, okay, bears are, you know, are around, so we just may make sure that uh, we're taken care of. So what we did is we took my backpack, put all the food in it, and we strung it up into a, a harness, which was there provided for us to make sure that the bears don't bug us all night. And then as soon as the kids laid down, they just went to sleep. As soon as I laid down, I heard a ruffle that started taking place in the brush. And I heard it walk all the way around, and I heard this ruffle. I'm like, oh, no. It sounds like there's going to be a bear visiting us tonight. And uh, so, sure enough, the bear comes in. I get up out of bed, and I just, just shoo them off. You know, just try to get them to shoot off. You can scare them. They're easy to spook. I mean, it's not a big deal. You just shoo them off. Hey, come on, come on. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then I, then I went back, sat down, laid down next to my wife, and then I just fell asleep. And then my wife, you know, started shrugging my shoulders. The bear's back in the camp. bear's back in the camp. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go up, and I start shooing the bear off. And then I lay down, and I start going to sleep again, and I start snoring. And then she gets a little more aggressive. No, the bear's back in the camp. Bear. So I'm like half asleep when I'm, uh, when I'm chasing this thing. Not chasing the thing, but just kind of making the noise to make sure he's, he's shooed off. And so I, I wake up and half asleep. I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. And then I, I fall next, lay next to my wife. And and then I fall asleep again, and then she, she shouts at me again, says, the bears, and then, go again, and then, I, and then I do it, and then I go back, and I, I lay down again. And then she takes a fork, and she sticks it right into my side the next time. That's really not true, but you can tell that she wanted a fork, because I was not getting up fast enough. And uh, it's like, bears in the camp, the bears in the camp. I'm like, okay, fine. And, and this happened till 2 o'clock in the morning. And one time I came back, and, and uh, I fell asleep. She does it again. I come back, and... Um, and I look at her and says, you know what, honey? We're not going to get any sleep tonight. But if we do fall asleep, you won't know that there is a bear in the camp if you fall asleep. <laughs> so how about, assessing the situation, how about if we both sleep together? And then the bear can come into the camp and nobody cares. And she goes, uh-huh, sure. So sure enough, I fall asleep again. She sticks me <laughs> with whatever. Okay, I get up, and the last time I said, okay, fine. I'm going to build a fire, and then we'll keep the bear out of the camp. And I sure enough do it, and she does what? She just falls asleep uh, as I sit up in the night. Well, I went hiking last uh, month down the Pacific Crest, and, and uh, I went into um, a camp, and I started um, cooking my dinner. And as I was cooking my dinner, this bear just shows up. And um, I could even have some pictures. Shows up really close. In fact, really, really aggressive. Just, just waltz right into my camp. And I wish that I didn't uh, zoom it in because I want to show how close that he actually was. And he starts just walking around my camp and, and snarling. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And uh, so sure enough, uh, my wife calls you know, a couple days later and says, anything happening fun on your, your trip? And we'll show another picture of the bear that was really nice and close. Anything fun happening on your trip? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, it's, this is going on, this is going on. He goes, well, have you seen any bears? And I said, yeah, actually, I've seen three. In fact, a couple nights ago, one came into my camp, and she goes, oh, you should send me pictures. So I do what? I send her pictures. I send her these pictures. And uh, as she gets these pictures, you know what she says? She says, oh, my goodness, did that bear rage you all night? 
I said, honey, I have no idea. <laughs> I finished my meal. I threw a rock or two at it. I hopped in my sleeping bag, and I slept like a baby all night long. <laughs> you know, the reason why I tell that story is because when my wife and I were sleeping together with Bear coming to the camp, I didn't know he was going to be mauled. But if somebody was going to be mauled that day, it was going to be me. And I was all right with it. My wife believed if somebody was going to be mauled that day, it was going to be me. <laughs> and she was completely all right with it. And that's, that's, that's how we function inside of a relationship. It's inside of our instincts to take the first step and to go all the way to the cross to make sure that our wives survive. That's the way that God completely and entirely has built us. But it's not only going to a cross to die, it is going to a cross to live as hard and as strong as you possibly can so your wife survives, so she is nurtured, so she is taken care of, so she is receiving all the needs that she can possibly have because she can't give herself away. She cannot give herself away, and I'll say it in a different way. She can't respect you if we don't first lay down our lives for our wives. That's what it means to be ahead. That's what it means to be a savior. And then how does a wife respond to that? The wife submits just by thanking him for it, just by thanking him for taking the position. The husband is gonna get everything he needs <laughs> just by the process of saying, I thank you, I appreciate you, I think you're amazing. I think you're strong. He's going to get everything he needs. And do you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you everything he needs in that process. Why? Because he's receiving something that he needs, and he's just going to turn around and give you everything he needs. It's a manual that God has put together. And inside that manual, it is going to bring health in your relationship and also health into your family. And when you see this being compared to, um, in our passage, we see it being compared to serve, uh, submit to your husband's, as Christ, or as a church submits to Christ? Well, how does a church submit to Christ? The strength of submitting to Christ is that we believe in him. We give thanks to him. We lift him up. We praise him. And I'm not saying praise and worship a man, but what it is, it's a reaction for what he has done. Men are starving for that. Men are starving for that. And that's what it means. Wives submit. React to what he has done. Push him forward into even doing more. It is going to give him the power and the strength to continue to lay his life down. Both of us are involved in this. And then number six, in closing, the husband leads by setting the emotional tone in the house. Whatever the emotional tone is of the husband often trickles down all the way to the family. Is, is he angry? Is he mad? Is he frustrated? Is he depressed? It's going to trickle all the way down. Remember, he's the Savior, and if he's the Savior, he is worshiping a risen Lord, and a risen Lord does what? It fills us up with everything that we need to have joy, to have peace, to have strength. It emotionally moves us to the point that I am saved no matter what happens in this world, so I will smile no matter what happens in the world. That's what salvation means to us at Christ laying his life down. So if you want to save your family, get the laughing in the home, get the joy, get the excitement, get the energy. That's driven by the man. That's what it means to be the Savior. And of course, the wife just submits by celebrating with him. And all of a sudden, the manual has been given for a marriage to have joy in it, to have laughter in it, to have peace in it, to have strength in it. 
as all our, our children are observing this process. Husbands, lead with love. Wives, just respond in respect. And in that process, life is going to take place um, in your marriage. We're going to do communion. And as we're doing communion, it's going to be doing the same thing that we're challenged today. Men, lay your life down for your wife. Wives, respect your husband. And in that circle taking place, we're going to do the same circle here at the cup. We're going to come and we're going to recognize Jesus Christ's blood spilt for us and his body broken for us. And do you know what we're going to do? We're just going to say thank you. (laughs) We're going to say thank you. We're going to say, I worship you. I praise you. Thank you for setting the model that should be in my relationship. Here it is with what you've done. Empower me to do it now in my relationship. And I just want to give you a couple of instructions as we're going to do the bread and the cup is that um, the bread is underneath the juice. So in other words, if you pull the two cups apart, you will see the bread. So you don't have to look for it. Pull the two cups apart, you'll see the bread. There's the bread. Here's the cup as we do it. These, there's uh, cups up here or there's elements that are up here. There's also elements in the back. We want to encourage you to come forward if you like or go back if you'd like. If you're gluten-free, the elements are in the back are all gluten-free and those up here um, are not. So I just want to encourage you to come as worship takes place. God, we just thank you so much for giving us a beautiful example of love. God, you have modeled it. You have done it. You have proclaimed it. You have given it. And God, we celebrate. We celebrate because of what you have done for us. And God, as we're celebrating for what you have done for us, I just pray, God, that you empower every relationship in this room, every husband-wife relationship, to model, God, exactly what you have done for us inside of our marriages. We want our marriages to be alive, and we ask, God, that you empower us to be able to do it. You've given us a manual, God, and I just pray that we'll obey and submit to that manual. In Christ's name, amen.